Good morning, guys. Okay, so we are in Psalm 24 this morning. Um, so we started our uh, the, the series in the Psalms in Psalm 1, and that was kind of an introduction to the Psalms. Um, and, and we talked about how that was really like an enticing invitation for us to come and enjoy the Psalms. And some get into delight in them. And Psalm 1 uh, gave us reason, it gives us reason to delight. Psalm 1 says that the blessed man, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. So the blessed man, he has everything he needs, and it's given by God to for him to survive and prosper. And we concluded that this is the man that we want to be, um, the man who is blessed by God. So as we've been going through uh, the different psalms, we see this desire uh, to be blessed, expressed in the different psalms, in the different circumstances, um, in, in different ways. And um, and we see that uh, this blessing is connected to the presence of God. For example, when we went through Psalm 42, uh, keeping with the metaphor of water, it says, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for, so my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Um, so he feels, it feels like he's trying to reach out to God and touch him and trying to attain the blessings from God. So in reference to blessing mentioned in Psalm 24, uh, one commentator highlighted that uh, blessings presuppose a harmonious relationship with God. So Psalm 24 is similar to Psalm 1 in that, um, and Psalm 42, and that it shows that the blessing, the blessing of righteousness and salvation, um, which allows us to be near to God, ultimately and completely comes from God. And, and we see in Psalm uh, 24, to the praise of his glory. So that, that this blessing that we receive and tells us about who God is, uh, stirs up our affections uh, to praise him like it shows, uh, like we read in verses 7 through 10. So in Psalm 24, we want to be the blessed man receiving the blessing mentioned in verse 5 um, in, 20, in uh, chapter 24 um, to be stirred to the praises of his glory in verses 7 through 10. So it's my prayer that, uh, like Jeff said, uh, that this psalm will stir our affections um, and our delight uh, for God to the praise of his glory. So let's go ahead and read Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, he who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God from the God of his salvation. 
Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle? Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory, the Lord of hosts? He is the King of glory. So, uh, yeah, I just want to go ahead and pray again. Um, Father God, I just uh, I pray that you would help us to uh, come to your word right now and understand it correctly, that we may delight in you and have reason uh, to enjoy you um, so that we may grow in desire for you, Lord. I, I pray that you would uh, bring us to your word this morning, uh, that we may grow in knowledge of you and as a result uh, grow in affection, Lord. We we ask that you would bless this morning. Um, we are dependent on you for all good things. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, Psalm, so so in verses one through six, we have this kind of framework, a structure of who God is and who we are in relation to God. Um, verses one and two reveal that God. He's owner and sustainer of earth, um, as, as well as creator. And, and this sets the stage for, for, uh, for our response to praise God uh, for what he has done for his people. And that, like I said, that, that response is in verses 1 or uh, 7 through 10. Um, so when I re- read the first few verses of this psalm, it's almost... I hear it in my head, kind of like a prologue, kind of like the Lord of the Rings that starts out with the, the narrator kind of setting the stage for the movie. That's kind of how I hear the first few verses here. It reads, the earth is the Lord's. You could say it starts off in space. The earth is the Lord's. You see the earth. Um, and then we zoom in closer and you see North America. Um, and then we read the fullness and the fullness thereof. Um, so everything and everyone in it belongs to the Lord. And then you zoom in a little closer and you can see commerce uh, in Michigan. Um, and just to drive the point home that everyone, uh, not just everything belongs to God, we read uh, the world and those who dwell therein. So uh, in, in these uh, two verses, uh, God's ownership is made clear as we zoom in on the earth and uh, everything in it, it's uh, it's showing that God has complete ownership. Um, and then in verse 2, uh, it, it's clear uh, that God isn't only staking claim to the earth for ownership, uh, but he is also the creator. Uh, so, so that tells us we're not here by chance or chaos, but on the contrary, uh, God took the chaos of uncontrolled waters, and he brought it into submission specifically for our inhabitation um, and provision. So he took what was chaotic and placed it under his submission uh, for the purpose of making earth uh, specifically inhabitable for man, for us, that we would have everything that we need to survive. So verse 2 says, For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. So two observations 
uh, from these first two verses. Uh, we, uh, just observations that I've made. Um, first, we see that uh, God's ownership is personal. Uh, the first verse doesn't stop with the view of the earth and space, uh, but um, some and some people believe that God created the earth and then kind of went hands off on the earth. But uh, verse one and verse one could have ended with the earth is the Lord's, but it keeps on zooming in to make it abundantly clear that everything on the earth and specifically man, um, that that we don't just walk the earth that. God laid claim to, but God owns uh, the world and those who dwell in it, so you and me. Um, someone like to read Psalm 104, verses 27 through 30? You could grab that for me, and then I'll... you like to get that, Bobby? Yep, 104, 27 to 30. So, and then, uh, so... Observation two, um, verses one and two are structured and the wording is used in the Hebrew uh, with world and earth kind of as a word pair. And uh, many times this context uh, tells us there's a sense that uh, in, in the Hebrew and in the Old Testament, this is used with a sense that God's not only uh, has ownership of his creation, but he also has continued work and sustaining power in it. So, uh, in two useful references, one is uh, First, Chron uh, First Chronicles 16, uh, verse 30, says, Tremble before him, all the earth, yes, the world is established, and it shall never be moved. So, that, um, that has the sense that God created it, and um, he also continues to sustain it. And we also uh, probably are familiar with uh, Hebrews chapter one verse three. He upholds the universe by the power, by the word of his power. He, uh, his sustaining word is uh, continuing to sustain us. So, okay, can we read twenty uh, four? So kind of kind of the same idea, but a little bit, uh, I guess, zoomed out. Um, God, God sustains us physically. Um, but one way he does that is he provides for us the things that we need, like water and food. And even to the point of, you know, he created all his creatures and he tends to them by giving them the proper food sources. So that's one way that he sustains us. Um, even though like Hebrews... Uh, chapter 1, verse 3, even goes in a little bit further and says, like, the, the actual universe, our physical being, is held together by God. Um, and we could read a lot. There's a lot of this type of uh, imagery and wording in the Psalms about how God tends to the earth and the animals and us. Um, but I think you uh, get the point. So so by this, by this point... Um, by meditating on the reality that God owns everything, he created everything and sustains everything, uh, this gives us a framework that all blessings 
all good gifts come from God, um, or to say it another way, um, in this framework, no good things can be found outside um, of God. So the, uh, the blessing of righteousness and salvation, which allows us to be near to God, ultimately comes from God um, to the praise of his glory. So uh, moving on to verses uh, uh, 3 through 6, we see that God is holy. Uh, verse 3, after we've zoomed in on creation, uh, we see the nature of man in context to a, uh, to a holy and perfect God. Uh, so we read the question, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? In this verse, we have a picture of a man kind of living in lowly places and, and God on the mountaintop, and God is just out of reach for man. And the idea is here is that God is, uh, it's, it's, it's explaining God's holiness as a place where man doesn't step foot uh, because of the perfection of God. So um, in Psalm 42, uh, we talked about the psalmist, how he lamented, how he wanted to see God, how he's reaching out for God, how he wants to uh, touch God, and he's just out of reach. And then we ask the question, well, uh, who can see God or be in the presence of God and actually, like, how is that a blessing? How can he come out unscathed? And I think it's appropriate to think about, um, uh, I immediately thought about Mount Sinai, where, where God wrapped the mountain in smoke, and he descended in fire, and he talked to Moses in thunder, and the people of Israel were warned to not even touch the foot of the mountain or they would die. So that's the kind of... Uh, setup that we're talking about, the holiness of God. Um, Exodus 33, verses 18 through 20 says, uh, when Moses is talking to God, he says, please show me your glory. So this is the idea of uh, desiring the blessing to be near to God. And the Lord replies, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name, uh, my name, the Lord. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. So, uh, so when asking the question, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Um, you know, it's possible that the Israelites, maybe someone would have been tempted to think, well, or even uh, as we kind of lose sight of God's holiness at times, we might be tempted to think uh, this in our own lives as well. But uh, they might be tempted to think, well, I've done my sacrifices. I've done the ceremonial washings. I've held to all the procedures. I've kept the law. So I can, I can ascend this guy over here. Um, so we might say um, verse 4 uh, zooms in again on man's heart, but for the glory or, or but for the purpose of magnifying God, um, directing us to understand God's holiness, verse 4, as a qualification to ascend to the holy hill of God shows that we fall short as it addresses not just our um, outward actions uh, of men, but also the inward thoughts and desires of the heart, which makes it impossible for one to raise your hand and say, yeah, I can ascend. I can ascend, no problem. Um, 
Verse 5 says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift his soul to what is false, uh, and does not swear deceitfully. So we, so we have this impossible uh, mountain to climb uh, to attain the blessings of God. Uh, but for those who can pass the test uh, we, we and can proceed to the holy place, uh, we, have, we have hope in the next verses. Um, in the next two verses, we see blessing. This is blessing that we are seeking after. This is the um, uh, blessing that glorifies God and moves our heart to affection for God and excites praise in verses 7 through 10. It says, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Um, so note that it's clear that um, the provision of blessing and righteousness and salvation uh, comes from God. And this is interwoven uh, into the psalm. Uh, verses 1 and 2, we already have the frame, uh, the psalm, uh, with God as owner and creator, the one who establishes the earth, uh, so we can inhabit it and survive uh, by his sustaining power. And then uh, verses 3 and 4, uh, we're trying to be near to God, seeking after God's blessing to ascend to his holy hill, uh, to get to God with clean hands and a pure heart. And then finally, uh, verse 6 flat out says, those who seek God's face receive blessing. Um, so at this point, uh, participating uh, in the worship using uh, Psalm 24 would have been brought to the point, like we, uh, the people would have been brought to the point of acknowledging that in God is found everything that they would ever want or need beyond their imagination. Um, it's it's, it's uh, shown to us through a creation. Um, and it brings us in to desire God and to confess that God is everything we want and need. Um, just like in Psalm 1, we want to be the tree planted by streams of water, flourishing with everything we need to be happy. Um, and then moving to the next section, looking at verse 7. So imagine the scene, people coming back uh, from the battle victorious, and they are carrying the ark, the presence of God, uh, God going with it, uh, with the reality of verses 1 through 6. Um, that, that the one who is uh, owner, creator, is all-powerful, he is holy, he is personal, he is faithful throughout history and takes the concern and takes concern for the hearts of men. His presence is entering the city after he has given the people victory. Um, so this God is entering the city and everyone pays attention. Uh, they lift up their heads in hope. That's a uh, kind of a show of hope and anticipation that God, that the blessing of God, the presence of God, who is tied to their salvation throughout history, will again enter the city victorious from battle. Um, so it says, lift up your heads, O gate. 
gates, and there's symbolism here. It's like saying, uh, uh, Union-like, Baptist Church, lift up your heads. Or Commerce, Michigan, lift up your heads because the presence of the Lord is coming. Um, is it, it is as if everyone uh, should watch as God's presence returns. Um, so the city, with hope and anticipation as the people um, look forward to the presence of God coming through the gates with heads lifted up and with hope uh, that the God of glory may come in. The Lord who gives vic- um, uh, may come in, the God who gives victory. And they desire God to come in because his presence is blessing. Um so as with the, uh, the other psalms we've read, there is a desire to seek God's face, like I said, or stand in God's presence. So there, of course, there is this tension um, here because God is holy and God cannot allow sin to stand in his presence. Um, and just a few chapters earlier, we can read in Psalms, uh, Psalm 14, the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. So, and I realize um, that, uh, I don't know, some people may think, well, the solution is I won't go to the hill of the Lord, so problem solved. God may own the earth, but I can choose not to Come to the hill of the Lord. I don't need to face God, um, and I don't need to live my life as if there is a God. Maybe they think that God is, you know, outside, hands off, and they think of themselves as independent from God. And this is, and I think of this application because um, I was convicted as as I'm reading about God's physical sustaining power as well as spiritual power in our lives. Um, that at times I've lived my life or made decisions and had behaviors that were um, as if they were autonomous from God. Um, but we look at the first few verses, and it's not just uh, that God owns and created the earth um, and everything in it, but he also sustains it with an ongoing relationship. We don't operate autonomously from the rule of God. Um, Our very existence is sustained by God. We cannot avoid God by living or or thinking that we live autonomously from God. We depend on him for our very breath. So, and and, and I was blessed by this connection. Um, I referenced Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, uh, but I didn't read the whole verse and the surrounding verses. Um, It says, uh, verses 1 through 3, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to the prophets, spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty and high. 
So we see Jesus uh, upholding the universe, um, and at the same and in the same verse, uh, salvation comes through His sacrifice. So, so when I meditate on this reality that Jesus holds us together physically and spiritually, um, it's difficult to kind of carp, um, compartmentalizing the physical from the spiritual areas of life without a Jesus as a Savior. Um, just, like G, just like God brought the world into order that we might inhabit it, uh, providing water and sunlight, sustaining us physically, uh, so God sustains us spiritually by giving um, us Jesus, um, who by his sacrifice uh, gives us everything we need to get to God, um, who is our blessing and our exceeding joy. Um, but those who do not know Jesus will not be sustained in this way in the judgment. Um, also, you could think about it this way. Uh, we all want to be blessed. We want good things for ourselves. Uh, God's ownership, creation, and sustaining power on the universe um, excludes that any good gifts can come from outside of God's blessing. Um, as it says in uh, James chapter 1, verse 17, uh, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So therefore, driving uh, the point home again, uh, we cannot pretend to be autonomous from God in any aspect of our lives. To live and act and think and make decisions apart from God and his word, it's, um, based on what we know from this fr framework and this foundation, um, we depend on God. We are dependent physically and spiritually, and meditation on this humbling reality should move us to praise God. So who can ascend the holy hill and who has clean hands and a pure heart? And of course the answer is uh, Jesus does and through his sacrifice uh, God can accept us as his own. So that's, uh, yeah. Any uh, questions or thoughts?